Brick Moon Fiction presents Something Horrible, written by Tony DiGerolamo, narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle. Oh God, oh God, help me, screamed the woman as I pulled up in my patrol car. Officer, please. Take it easy, ma'am, I said, calming her. Hellsport PD is on the case. Now if you can calmly describe what happened. Jeffrey, my son, he's only six. A monster grabbed him and pulled him into the surf. She sobbed. I took out my pen and my notepad. The precinct was still pretty low-tech. Okay, this monster. Would you say it was a clown-like? Did it offer him a balloon? Or was it more like a sea monster? I inquired. Did an eerie fog roll in just before he was grabbed? It, it, it had tentacles. I guess you could say sea monster, she relayed. No fog. Oh boy, I sighed. Sounds like he got grabbed by one of the ancient ones. The what? She asked in confusion. Oh, they're an ancient subterranean race of sea creatures that have existed for eons, I explained routinely. Hopefully they've just eaten him. Otherwise they may have transformed him. Hopefully, she cried. Whoa, 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 take it easy. Take it easy? You just told me my son is dead. If you're lucky, I clarified. If you do see him return, he'll probably have some of their features, gills, fish eyes, scales. You're going to want to put him down immediately. Under no circumstances should you follow him to the edge of the ocean or attempt to feed him. Here. I handed her the standard Hellsport tourist weapons, a loaded thirty-eight revolver, a vial of holy water, and the ancient sigil on a necklace. You're going to want to wear this, shoot him with this, and then pour the holy water on him so he doesn't get back up, I explained. Don't forget that last part. That's the part people forget. Th this this is what you do? You're not even going to look for him? She said, outraged. You just hand me weapons? I want you to survive your visit to Hellsport, ma'am, I said, exasperated. You came here with your son. You knew the risks. It's all on our town website. What? That can't possibly be real, she insisted. Ma'am, I have 26 other calls and a long night ahead of me, I pleaded. If we could stop the supernatural here, don't you think we would have by now? I got back into my cruiser and called it in. Dispatch acknowledged. Nice work, Lakely, came the call back from Dispatch. Proceed to the domestic disturbance. Yeah, Hellsport has its ups and downs, its criminals and law-abiding citizens. But mostly it had unspeakable horrors from an ancient evil that we couldn't get rid of. Naturally, we learned to live with it, and I became a cop to deal with it as best I could for my friends and neighbors. But like the woman with the most likely dead son, some people still didn't understand. Open up, police, I shouted, knocking on the trailer door. A man in a sleeveless t-shirt answered the door. He was holding his arm and bleeding. I took a few steps back and put a hand on my gun. There was still commotion going on inside the trailer. What's going on here? I demanded. My mother, said the increasingly pale man. She lives with me, but she turned into some kind of monster. I drew my weapon. At that moment, an emaciated old woman pressed her face against the small window of the bathroom. Her eyes were glowing bright red, and she hissed in an inhuman way. That's not good, I told him. What you have there, sir, is the demonic possession of a corpse. I'm afraid your mother is dead. No, that can't be, he sobbed. Sir, I'm going to have to put her down before she bites anyone, I informed him, drawing my revolver with the silver bullets. But I was bit he replied, moving his hand away from the wound. The teeth marks on his arm were quite visible. 
Already the flesh around the bloody wound was turning gray. What does that mean? Does that change something? he asked. I'm afraid it does, sir, I relayed. Aiming the gun at his face, I prepared to fire. He began to say, what are you doing? But I shot him in the head before he could finish. It was best to slay potential beasts before they had a chance to fully develop. Entering the trailer, I cornered his mother and emptied the revolver into her dead flesh. Dragging the son back inside the trailer, I set the entire trailer ablaze after dousing their wounds with holy water. All in a day's work for the Hellsport PD. The other 25 calls were the usual, a few lycanthrope sightings, some spiritual possessions, a Victorian doll that had come to life and started murdering people, demons vandalizing downtown, a food truck vendor who had gone mad and started cannibalizing his customers into hamburgers, and my personal favorite, a group of cultists who summoned their ancient pagan god and now they were slowly being transformed into some kind of weird hybrid human mushroom people. Hey Lakely, greeted my sergeant as I walked back into the station. Busy night? I waited. The Sarge had been cursed with some kind of temporal fugue. He would often glitch, fall back thirty seconds in time, and had to repeat himself. Hey, Lakely, he said again in the exact same way after the glitch. Busy night? Usual, I sighed. Stay away from the hamburger food truck, whatever you do. Captain wants to see you, said Sarge. I waited. The Sarge was about to prompt me again when he glitched. Captain wants to see you. Thanks. Walking through the halls of the precinct, I passed through the rooms where they were processing suspects. The detectives had their hands full with a cell phone that sprouted tentacles out of its screen. I rushed in and turned the phone off. The tentacles were cut off as the screen went dark. Black blood rushed out of their severed stumps. "'Thanks, Lakely,' said Detective Dwyer, appreciatively. "'No problem, Detective,' I acknowledged. "'How's the eye?' Dwyer had been splashed with a mysterious substance found inside a beaker which was inside the heart of a half-man, half-shark creature. It turned the whites of his left eye black and the pupil white and left a bright green glowing scar around the eye and on his face. Oh, you know, he sighed, still seeing images of a hellscape from another dimension whenever I shut the eye. The doctor that tried to cure me went insane, so I just decided to live with it. It's been a few weeks now. I hardly notice it. Good for you, man, I complimented. What about you? You taking the detective's exam soon? He asked. Hopefully that's what the captain's going to talk to me about. I smiled, exiting the room. I entered the captain's office slowly. It was the only way not to spook him. Close the door! He immediately shouted from the darkened office. Cap, I said carefully. Where are you? I'm under the desk, Lakely, he revealed. But for God's sake, don't tell anyone. And don't think about it. They can hear us. You're still reading the ancient book, Captain? I inquired. Who told you? He demanded. I was the one that found it, remember? It was marked with all kinds of sigils on the case, I reminded him. You should not have read it. The voices told me. They called to me, he repeated. They say I've gone mad. You pretty much have, Cap, I said, resigned to that fact. We've had some incidents already. One more and the brass is likely to move on you, put you in the asylum. The book won't let that happen, he assured. But forget all that for now. I'm here to talk about you and your bid to become a detective. Yes, sir, I acknowledged. I'm ready to take the test. Damn it, Lakely. You've been working the streets too long. No sane man has worked a hellsport beat for four straight years and not gone mad or turned into some kind of hybrid monster or become a ghost trapped in reliving his murder day after day for the rest of eternity. I have survived, sir, 
I sighed, a bit exasperated. "'How?' he said, almost unraveling as he asked the question. "'I love my job and I love helping people,' I replied simply. "'I believe that if you're safe and apply simple logic to the supernatural happenings in Hellsport, you can live a good, clean life.' "'Well, there's no room for another detective in Hellsport,' he revealed. "'Even if you pass the test, I can't guarantee you a spot.' Unless someone dies or gets turned into a slug. They're like Jenkins, I added, noting Jenkins's bowl on the desk. Yes, like Jenkins, he agreed, running his hand through his wild white mane. Just get out of here. I need to consult... something. Don't read the book, sir, I warned him. Shut up! Just shut up! He snapped. The voices! <laughs> the voices! <laughs> I punched out and headed home for the night. The moon was full and bright, minus the creepy ghost-like creatures which now inhabited its surface, of course. No one is sure how they got up there, but I suspect it was an ancient book like the kind the captain was reading. Pulling into the driveway, I headed inside. Linda was cooking dinner, and the kids, Dean and Melody, were already at the table. My darling Linda was an amazing cook. Even though the lower half of her body had been shifted into a ghost dimension, she floated around the kitchen making chicken and serving each of the kids. Dean was my little athlete. At age eight, he was almost a head taller than the other kids. He had a great future ahead of him, as long as he never removed the necklace that kept the demon inside him from emerging again. That was a rough weekend of explaining to the neighbors why Dean ate their pets whole. Melody had finally become a woman, and at age 13, she was our angst-ridden little bundle of joy. She was particularly moody since acquiring a gypsy curse that kept her eyes constantly under attack by bees. Linda helped her pick out stylish eye protection, but she resented having to wear it. She blamed me, but then again, she was the one that wouldn't apologize to the gypsy. Hey, family, I greeted, giving Linda a kiss. How was everyone's day? Great, Daddy, beamed Dean, his voice becoming slightly demonic again. I wanted to slay everyone on the playground, but I stopped myself when we played kickball. Good for you, buddy, I smiled. How about you, pumpkin? My life sucks. No one wants to take me to the Halloween dance, whined Melody. It's probably because I have stupid bees all over my face. Sweetie, any boy that truly likes you can overlook the bees, Linda said gingerly. How's he supposed to kiss me, Mom? I like Daryl Fontana, but he's allergic to bee stings. I think those things might be a blessing, I kidded. I don't want some strange boy kissing my little girl. You're too young, Melody. I hate this house. I hate this house. I hate my life. Melody stormed off without eating dinner. Later, she would apologize and come to her senses. That's just the way she was these days. We played board games as a family at Linda's insistence, and things became a lot less tense. She was wonderful that way. Hey, you were great with the kids tonight, babe, I smiled as she floated around the room. Nice legs, by the way. Linda was taking off her makeup. My comment, unfortunately, rattled her a little. I had forgotten myself and the issue. Babe, I don't know how you stand it, she said. Look at me. We can't, you know. Oh, Linda, darling, I said, getting up and embracing her. I married you for you, for richer or poorer. In sickness and in health. Besides, we have our workaround for that, as you well know. Yeah, she smiled. I just think sometimes maybe we should move. Babe, we've been over this, I said earnestly. 
I grew up in Hellsport, and I love my job. I could never leave here. Besides, we might uncurse your legs or the kids. Can't do that in another part of the country. The gypsies here, the demononomicons are here. Plus our families. Yeah, you're right, she dismissed. I love you, Gary. I love you too, my half-ghost sweetheart, I replied, kissing her. The next morning, I was back on duty. I drove the cruiser around the commons. The calls hadn't started coming in, but they soon would be. A mysterious cloud had descended on the town hall, and people claimed they could see the faces of their dead loved ones in it. Austin Garland, one of our homeless folks, was on the commons trying to get his belongings together. Like me, he had survived all his life in Hellsport. Unlike me, he was a bitter, vicious old man who didn't like to be told what to do. I saw him sit down and started flipping through an ancient text. I immediately sensed trouble. Austin? Hey, buddy, I called from the car. You know you can't sit in the commons past 9 a.m., and I certainly don't want to see you reading one of those grimoires. Folks around here get real nervous if you read one of them aloud. You know that. Fuck off, Lakely, he shouted. I understand this book now. You better stay clear. Oh, boy. That was a sure sign the book had overtaken him. Unlike the captain, this didn't sound like a slow descent into madness. I got out of the car. Austin, I'm going to ask you one more time, and then I'm going to have to arrest you, I informed him. Now, why don't you just do us all a favor and head out? There are other worlds, Lakely. Millions of them. I can see them. I can see them all with this, he ranted, slapping the book. Austin started reading the ancient text. I had to move and interrupt him before it was too late. I charged ahead and grabbed him. For a moment, a blast of fog surrounded us, and I felt the sensation of falling. I was disoriented for a moment, but when I got my bearings, I found myself standing over Austin. The book was gone. All right, Austin, I said, mildly threatening. You have to come with me. Oh, come on, man, I'm just a vet, he whined. In that moment in the back of my mind, I knew but couldn't accept it. The Austin I was confronting was not the Austin I had been talking to just moments ago. Something had shifted. He was different, and the book was gone. Get off the commons, Austin, I demanded. You do that and hand over the book and we're square. Book? he asked curiously. I should take you in for an unlawful summoning on public grounds, I threatened. An unlawful what? he asked, genuinely confused. My radio crackled. I had bigger fish to fry. Stay away from those ancient tomes, I threatened the homeless guy. Austin just looked back at me like I was crazy. That, unfortunately, wasn't the craziest part of my day. I had a domestic disturbance, but all it was... A husband and wife were arguing, and the neighbors complained. And that was it. No bug-eyed monsters in the basement. No possessed entities. No bleeding inanimate objects. I figured dispatch had made some kind of mistake until I went to the next call. Kids were shoplifting down by the marina. I asked the store owner if the kids were ghosts or demonic entities or shadows that had come to life. He looked at me like I was crazy. I took his statement anyway and then headed back to the precinct. Something was fishy. When I arrived, I noted the insignia on the building said Westport, Connecticut, instead of Hellsport, Connecticut. I checked the patch on my arm and the insignia on the cruiser. It all matched. Was I going crazy? I rushed inside the building. Hey, Lakely, greeted Dwyer. Dwyer looked perfectly normal. His eye had completely reverted back. Dwyer, I said in shock. Your eye. 
Huh? Oh, yeah, when I got hurt. I'm better now, he said. Thanks for asking. Then I truly started reeling when Jenkins walked in. Jenkins? I gasped in shock. What? How? You were a slug. I was a what now? He laughed. Everyone assumed I was joking, but I was reeling. The captain poked his head out of the office to see what the fuss was all about. His hair had returned to its former color and he looked quite calm. Lakely, you okay? He asked. Why don't you take the day? Things are pretty slow. Go home to that wife of yours. Oh God, I thought. Linda and the kids. I rushed back as fast as I could. The kids were just leaving for school. Dean wasn't wearing his necklace and Melody was not wearing her eye protection. Kids? I called. Hey, Dad, Dean waved. See you later. The kids hopped on the bus before I could stop them. Normally, I'd be running to find the necklace that Dean should have been wearing, but I already knew what had happened. Austin had banished me to another dimension, one where Hellsport was Westport and where nothing supernatural existed. Slowly, I made my way up the steps of the porch and inside. I had an overwhelming sense of dread. Honey? I called. Are you here? Hey, baby, Linda called back, walking into the room on two feet. Why are you home so early? Mildly catatonic, I moved to the couch and sat down. I was staring ahead and about to ask questions I already knew the answers to. Linda, do you remember our daughter being cursed by a gypsy? What? You mean that fortune teller? What about the accident that hurt your legs? Oh, you mean the skiing thing? <laughs> yeah, I remember. And how about our son's demonic possession? His what? Do you mean the neck brace he used to wear? I'm not sure what you're talking about, Gary. What's wrong? She asked. She didn't know it and would never have accepted the explanation. I was trapped in this world now. This mundane world without unspeakable horrors or strange phenomenon. Austin had shifted me through the cracks of another dimension, and I was trapped here for the rest of my life. You want to watch television while I bring you a beer? She offered. You look upset, babe. This world was truly lackluster. Whatever maniac had created it left me trapped now in its sheer boredom. My world was gone forever, and I had to accept my new world's mendacity. Its averageness and normality is forever my life now. Flopping down into an easy chair, I felt myself sink. The television was already having a calming effect. My whole body relaxed, and I could not move. Truth be told, I didn't want to. I just wanted to drown in the blandness forever. Tony DeGerolamo is a New Jersey screenwriter, novelist, comic book writer, game designer, and comedian. He is best known for his work on The Simpsons and Bart Simpson comic books. He has also been a joke writer for Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher, a script writer for Space Ghost Coast to Coast, and a blogger for Comedy Central's Indecision website. His screenplays include Mafioso, The Father, The Son, starring Leo Rossi. His novels, Fix in Overtime and The Undercover Dragon, are available through Padwolf Publishing. He is the co-creator of the webcomic factory, www.webcomicfactory.com, and writer for over two dozen webcomics on the Webcomic Factory site, including Lester Crenshaw is Dead, Miserable Comedians, and Weird Biker Tales. Look for his latest book, Fuck You, I'm Italian, Why We Italians Are Awesome, from Ulysses Press. His e-books, Wokistan, a novel, and The Pineys, book one, are currently available on Amazon.
This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.